Chapter 3 of Cowboy Life on the Sidetrack. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cowboy Life on the Sidetrack by Frank Benton. Chapter 3. It's not generally known that when sheep get extremely hungry, they eat the wool off one another. But nevertheless, this is a fact, and cots will canvas back and ramble lay bill sheep had long ere this devoured all the wool off each other's backs. But we had a couple of good warm showers of rain, and the wool had started up again, and was high enough for pretty fair grazing. So the two sheepmen were middling easy, as they had a receipt for cooking jackrabbits so they wouldn't shrink in the cooking. They claimed that Manager Gleason of the Warren Livestock Company had invented this receipt. However, lambing season had come on, and Cotswool and Rambolette were kept pretty busy as double-deck cars was very cramped quarters to lamb in. Rambolette wanted to unload the sheep, and when they got through lambing to drive them to Laramie City and catch the train again, but Cotswool canvasback said they would have to pay the same tariff for the cars and insisted on the railroad company earning their money. I remember a pathetic little incident that occurred about this time. When we were waiting on a sidetrack one evening, I suggested to Jack, though, that he sing us a song to while away the time and he started singing Home Sweet Home in a choked by Cinder's sort of voice. And he hadn't been singing long before I discovered old Chuck Wagon and Dillberry Ike lighting face downward on the seats sobbing like their hearts would break. Chuck and Dillberry didn't have much of a home as they batched in a little doby shacks away out in the edge of the plains. But that old song, even if sung by a hoot owl, would make a stock man weep when he is on a stock train and has got about halfway to market. However, it didn't seem to affect Edom up Jake much, and yet Jake had married a big, buxom, red-headed Mormon girl about six weeks before we started to ship. While Jake looked like he was in delicate health when we left home, yet he had grown strong and hearty on the trip in spite of the privations and sufferings we had to go through, and was pretty near always whistling in a lively way the girl I left behind me. We now arrived at a town it was about two o'clock in the morning, and the conductor roused us up to tell us we would have to change way cars, as they didn't go any farther. We asked him which way to go when we got off, and he said, go anywhere we wanted to. We asked him where our car was that would go out on, and said, damn fino. So we started out to hunt it. This was a division station. There were hundreds of cars in every direction, and they had put us off a mile from the depot. We begged piteously from everyone we met to tell us where the way car was that went out on the stock train. We carried our luggage back and forth, fell over switch frogs in the darkness and skinned our shins, fell over one another trying to keep out of the way of switch engines, ran ourselves out of breath after brakemen, conductors, engineers, and car oilers, but every one of them gave us the same stereotyped answer. Damn Fino. At last we started out to hunt up the stock again, but just as we found it, they started to switch in. However, we climbed up on the sides of the car and hung on, all but poor old Chuckwagon, who had been sorted under the weather and wasn't quite quick enough. But he chased manfully after us till we came to a switch, when we dashed past him going the other way. We hollered to him to follow the train, which he did, but only to find us going the other way again. And thus, we kept going. How long this would have lasted, I don't know. For old Chuck was game to the death and had thrown away his coat, vest, hat, and boots and was bound to catch them stock cars. And the switchman and engineer was bound he shouldn't. 
But finally, the engine had stopped for cold water, and they shoved us in on a sidetrack. Went off to bed and left us there till 10 o'clock the next day. But I shall never forget the anguish and horror we endured for fear we wouldn't find that way car, and they would pull the stock out and leave us there. Pack Saddle Jack gave it his opinion that the railroad people had plotted to do that, but we frustrated their designs by getting on the stock cars and staying with them. We all believe Pack Saddle Jack was right, but since that time I've talked with a good many cattlemen and found out that that's the way they treat everybody. End of chapter 3